This is Environmental Voices Rising Women at the Mic, and I'm your host, Michael Crawford Zimring. This podcast brings you conversations with women environmental leaders who are working in their communities, creating innovative and sustainable solutions that address climate change and environmental inequities. Talking about climate change is important, but not with the doom and gloom scenarios presented by mainstream media. The climate change conversations we have at Environmental Voices Rising are about what we can do to fix things and why taking action, however small, in your community is a place to begin. We are not planning on Mars as our next destination because right here on planet Earth, there is a lot to be done. We invite you to listen to the podcasts, subscribe on our website, eVoices Rising, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are also inviting you to join us, listen in, and find a place in your community to support because, yes, you can make a difference. Add your voice to Environmental Voices Rising. Today's episode is Tomato Bliss, a happy vegetable or a way to revolutionize the way we grow our food. A large portion of the climate change conversation is about reducing carbon emissions and finding ways to do that while building a sustainable and equitable economy. One important key to addressing that challenge is to change the way we grow our food. Instead of overstimulating the soil with chemical fertilizers and then covering the crops with more chemical pesticides, we could instead grow food in healthy, nutrient-rich soils. There is power in healthy soil. It can simultaneously pull carbon from the atmosphere, sequester it, store more water, and grow healthier food. This kind of agriculture is called regenerative agriculture because it regenerates soils that have been depleted by industrial growing practices. Regenerative agriculture is also known as biodynamic farming because the focus is on rebuilding soil with crop diversity. There are farmers, usually with small farms, who are dedicated to these practices. And here we have an opportunity to see the results of growing food that is more tasty and nutritious. This is Environmental Voices Rising, Women at the Mic. And today I'm excited that we get to have a conversation with Marie Crane, the creator of Lotus Flower Farm in Galing, Michigan, the home of Tomato Bliss. I just met Marie, and when we had a short conversation, I was so fascinated with her project and then grateful that she had some time in her busy schedule to sit down and share with us a small portion of her vast knowledge of heirloom tomatoes, the importance of biodynamic farming, and how growing tomatoes is good for the earth. Welcome, Marie. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to get to share my experience. Yeah. So I'd like to just get started. Like, How did you get started growing heirloom tomatoes? I understand that you didn't grow up on a farm. You weren't raised knowing much about farming at all, but now it's your passion. And probably in that question, you can start by telling us what an heirloom tomato is. Okay, two questions there. And uh, I'll start with 
my experience, uh, how I found heirloom tomatoes, you're right. I grew up in downtown Chicago and I was living in on the south side of Chicago and working as an interactive artist. And by that, I mean, I would set up installations of artworks that would invite uh, people to interact with them. And so the artwork would change as it was interacted with. And uh, I had a small garden in the backyard in Hyde Park, and I would grow heirloom tomatoes. And heirloom tomatoes are tomatoes that you don't see commercially because they are tomatoes that are grown 100% for flavor. They're not, you can't transport them. They don't keep well. They're, you know, tomatoes that have been grown, you know, since the beginning of time. And they have not been hybridized to, they have not been hybridized. So they come true from seed and they're open pollinated. In any event, I grew them because I loved the flavor of heirloom tomatoes and I couldn't find them in the grocery stores. And in the spring, I'd grow about, oh, I don't know, five seed packets worth. I'd have some extras and I would trade them with my neighbors. And in 2010, I proposed uh, an art installation, a post-retail economy uh, gift shop based on neighborly values. And essentially, we just put 500 heirloom tomato seedlings on a rack and invited neighbors and the public to trade with us and kind of like a holiday cookie exchange. And people wound up trading, oh, say a cookbook for an heirloom tomato and the cookbook would then become a typewriter and the typewriter would then become a bicycle because people would just trade in a neighborly way. And that project really took off. It was called General Economy Exquisite Exchange, G for short. And as it took off over the course of five years, we would, we'd have some extra heirloom tomatoes and we would plant them in buckets on concrete rooftops and in food deserts on the south side of Chicago. And it became a very popular project and the heirloom tomato gardening became really popular. By 2015, we were getting about 5,000 heirloom tomato seedlings out into the world. And I thought, oh, this is so easy to grow them and what we should farm them. I couldn't I couldn't find any in the stores. I certainly couldn't find any on the shelves of grocery stores. So I wondered why not. And so I just kind of on a lark, not a lark exactly, but I thought, oh, it must it'll be so much easier if we just farm them. So we bought a farm in a, in an area of southwest Michigan and started trying, you know, to grow heirloom tomatoes. <laughs> what a wonderful story. So it, it seems like it was the tomatoes that got you interested in the, the flavor and the uniqueness and the fact that the, you actually grow these from seeds that are not commercial. These, this is not a commercial project. Uh, so you started the farm, you started the company, and of course it's tomatoes. But where does the bliss come from? 
Okay, well, it was, uh, I had a surplus of tomatoes. And, and, uh, and when I say surplus, I mean, so I was growing these tomatoes in buckets. And, and on one rooftop at the Hyde Park Art Center, we had about, oh, I don't know, 150 or 170 plants. And we yielded about 4,000 pounds of tomatoes. It was just, I mean, just a giant, giant amount of tomatoes and they don't keep and and at the same and I'm a really avid home cook and uh, I love them so I had figured out a way where I would roast the tomatoes and put them in my freezer and then I would use that product all year long as kind of a vegan hamburger helper if you will and I just happened to call that roasted tomato thing, tomato bliss, because it made my life blissful. I, I <laughs> just, you know, cook with yes. heirloom tomatoes and have instant meals really easily. That I love that story. I can see that having having those quickly available in the freezer can keep you going, you know, during the seasons. Oh yeah, probably and so much probably last year as well. Yeah. So I on your on your website it says that you plant differently and you grow differently. Could you tell us a little bit about your farming practices and maybe even how you got started? I mean, what your first crop was because I understand that you want to revolutionize the way tomatoes are grown. That's that's true, and uh, yeah. So it really again just serendipity. So we bought this farm in, you know, the glorious fruit belt of Southwest Michigan. And I was so excited. And uh, it had been a soybean farm. And I had no real idea. I was not a farmer. Um, And in 2016, we set out to get 900 plants into the ground. And I was I was so thrilled. I was counting the thousands of pounds of tomatoes that we'd have. And I'd gotten my wholesale food manufacturing license. I was ready to go into business selling Tomato Bliss. And lo and behold, we could not dig into the, what at that point I real. Now looking back, I realized the soil had become dirt. And by that, I mean, it was hard as a rock. It had been tilled, uh, conventionally farmed for many years. There was no life in it. And we had to use drills to get our little tomato seedlings into the ground. And 900 plants yielded less than 500 pounds. There was just nothing in the soil to nourish them. And that's when the project really changed or grew from my passion for heirloom tomatoes and their great flavor and how they make cooking so easy into, I just started researching what the, how to, how to make my life easier. Um, essentially how it must, what, what was going on with dirt. And um, I found, you know, lots of research. This is not my original thinking at all, but I went ahead and studied the principles of Rudolf Steiner and biodynamic farming and permaculture farming. And, you know, there's a lot that I learned through that, but a couple of the principles that we employ on our farm, I would call it, we do holistic farming, uh, which I think is beyond organic farming. We're really aiming, organic to my mind, it, it does less harm. 
it's sustainable, but it's not going to revive the soil. It's not regenerative or nourishing, right. particularly. So the revival of soil, the regenerating property of of soil, that's what we employ. And the key one that we employ, one where we're no-till, so we don't break the crust of the earth. And but where we, what Tomato Bliss does, what Lotus Flower Farm does is we really are crop diverse. And so it's an easy concept, I think, to understand that if we have huge fields of one crop, then we're really creating something that is easy for pests and for disease to manifest. It's like creating a huge target. Whereas if we farm in a diverse way with a lot of diversity on the farm, the pests and the disease have a harder time getting hold. So at our farm, it's it's kind of a big jumble. And by that, I mean we interplant perennials, trees, shrubs, and annuals all together. And uh, by having also then heirloom tomatoes, we have, we grow lots of diverse types of tomatoes. So again, not a monocrop, but many different types. It is flavor first for me, but, but there, I've really just through experience learned how important it is to farm differently. Thank you. Let's let's talk a little bit more about just kind of the contrast between mono crops. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a lot of people have heard that term, but uh, maybe you can just describe that with a little more. And then I know in regenerative farming, which is also uh, maybe a new word on the block, but it's really you're repairing the soil from the damages that have been created through the commercial processes of monocrops in the United States. Yeah. And uh, I actually recently watched a great movie called Kiss the Ground, which really visually and with people who know a lot more about it than I do, it really show it's a great movie and it shows really Right. I I'm gonna I'm gonna post that movie, the title of that movie, down below your podcast because yeah. it is. I agree. It's a and a wonderful film. Wonderful film. So so a monoculture is where we see it or we see it here. I I am this tiny, tiny, I'm the littlest little farm. And in the midst of, I'm surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of acres of corn and soy. You're right. I think what you have described is revolutionary. Um, Industrial food production in the United States relies on growing large acres of crops that are all the same. And what is sacrificed is not only crop diversity, but the opportunity to regenerate the soil. So I know it's spring on the farm, and of course you are very busy, but can you tell us what's happening on your farm and how you are planting for the this next season? So we actually, one of our sayings at Tomato Bliss is the more we grow, the more we grow. So we keep growing 12 months a year on our farm, uh, even though we it gets really, really cold. So that means we cover crop in the fall. Um, and last year we cover cropped with um, 
winter winter rye and uh, it goes dormant in the winter but it comes back up and winter rye is a great cover crop because it has long big fat roots and so that is it provides like natural tillage it also provides a green compost if you will um, and then we'll plant right through that so right now today I was just out there um and we're planting our tomatoes um and that's what we're doing we're planting so how how do you since you're doing no-till how do you uh can you just describe it for someone who doesn't who isn't there with you (laughs) yes so uh for no-till the the cover crop breaks up the soil it's essentially a natural till and then we put compost on top of the detritus from the cover crop and plant in the compost. And then the roots of the plants will be able to grow into the ground. But we aim not to, this is the first year we're fully no-till. We aim not to break the crust of the earth. Every time you break the crust of the earth, you're you're killing microbial life. And we're trying to get microbial life to be really vital under the surface of the ground. So you're also saying, so because the soil, when you're able to create soil that is more alive with more nutrients, those nutrients transfer into whatever you're growing, and in this case, tomatoes. So that's another difference is the nutrition that comes from plants that are grown in this way, as opposed to the monocrops that are just, are just grown with standard fertilizer and pesticides, et cetera. Yes, more yeah, or, less. or organic. Remembering organic. Oh, right, organic. the essential difference between organic and conventional farming is the way the inputs are derived. So organic pesticide is pesticide it's derived from natural resources as opposed to chemicals same with organic fertilizer so those are still inputs they're not going to regenerate soil they are quote sustainable that just that to my mind means they do less harm but they are not it's not or regenerative is really a different thing than organic um so so yes, and nutrition, I I know that our food and our tomatoes taste better. I don't, I couldn't speak to, is it, I don't know that it's what, how, from a nutrition standpoint, exactly that the better soil means better nutrition. I, I believe that to be true. I don't know it to be true. I will say that by growing though, uh, when I get onto the tomato bliss side, in our products, we use many different colors of tomatoes. So we use yellow, red, purple, green, black, per, uh, I already said purple, blush, light green, stripes. And that we do know the nutrition of that is a rainbow's worth of nutrition. So that's a much more nutrient dense product than, say, uh, roasted tomatoes with just one type of tomatoes. Which is what you normally get when you buy tomatoes in a can. So is that part of like the, the concept of bio, biodynamic farming is, is the nutrients from the soil going into the plants is, and, 
or am I, what else is, what I, else is involved in biodynamic farming? Well, there's, there's, there's a, a lot, a lot. of dynamic farming, but, um, and again, I wouldn't consider myself an expert except for the fact that I've taken, you know, one, a nine month certification course on it. Um, and I, and we do practice some biodynamic farming here, um, permaculture farming. Uh, and yeah, I kind of lost the question there. Oh, so I was just trying to get a, maybe, um, T- talking more about the like the nut- nutrients in the soil and like tr- like working with the soil differently because in the beginning you said yes when you arrived at the farm the soil was dirt and it wasn't different so maybe like the difference between like soil which I'm assuming you're saying is like full of nutrition with or using allowing natural processes and microbials to be part of the process rather than having just uh, cleaning you know covering the land and then you have dirt. Right. So uh, dirt to me means no microbial life. Uh, you kind of, you could kick it and it's not going to move. It, it actually feels like concrete. It's dusty. Uh, there's, there's just no life to it. And that's the way conventional farms are now. They have to rely completely, as I understand it, on inputs. So you have to bring in your fertilizer to make your crops grow. Um, and with on our farm, the soil is soft and rich, dark colored. Um, it's alive. And so that's, that's the difference. You made some interesting points about the value of crop diversity and the tomato products that we as consumers purchase something I hadn't actually thought of before, but everything, all the products are only one type of tomato and what Tomato Bliss is offering in addition to the heirloom tomatoes that you grow are the tomato products that are created with the rainbow medley of heirloom tomatoes. Again, crop diversity. You have tomato soup, you have tomato salsa and your original roasted tomato blend. I'm also want to loop this back to climate change and I'm sure there might be somebody in the audience going, so how are tomatoes going to help the climate? So maybe we could just talk about how that's regenerating the earth. The soil is able to absorb more carbon and just how, how do you see tomatoes being good for the earth, good for the climate? So it's crop diversity and the way we grow our tomatoes. So number one is Uh, we grow them amidst a lot of other plant life. Number two is we grow a lot of varieties as opposed to a single variety. And uh, as I understand it, that we, our farm actually sequesters carbon. So when you have a biodynamic farm and you have microbial life, it, it pulls the carbon into the soil. And I think that could have a positive impact on climate. Now, we have one farm here, plus we do partner with like-minded farmers. So maybe it's a total of 30 acres in the state of Michigan that are growing heirloom tomatoes in a regenerative way. It's a start. It's a- It's a start. It's a start. It's, no, I- <laughs> um, But, and then here, you know, too, I'm just, the plug for Tomato Bliss is what we aim to do 
is find the consumer support for the products that are grown regeneratively. And if we can, if we can get consumer support for products that are grown regeneratively, which I think we can because they taste so much better. It really is different when Ian, you said it's you normally don't find a can of, you know, or you normally find just cans with one type of tomato. Every soup, every tomato soup, every tomato salsa, every uh, tomato sauce has just one type of tomato in it. So there's it's there's there's literally no product on the commercial shelves yet where you have crop diversity built in to the product where you could go and say well I want to support crop diversity because I understand the crop diversity is is a way to sequester carbon and could positively impact climate that's that's it's just not there's nothing commercially available yet same is true for almost any vegetable product. We don't yeah. have crop diversity as, I don't know, it's a value proposition in our commercial food system. And I'm, I'm here to, I, we're trying to change that. So, but, and, and in that line, you are actually making soups, preserves, and you post recipes on your website. Right. All in, all in the support of, of reaching consumers. Yes. And so, uh, right. We were really our primary soups and salsa are the original roasted tomato bliss, all available on our website um, and at specialty food stores in Chicago. And we launched on Food 52 at the end of February. And that that's a bonanza for our mission. What's Food 52? Food 52 is a terrific online community of foodies and chefs who share their food adventures and their recipes online. Let's let everyone know where your website is and how they can find out more about Tomato Bliss, shop your products, and support your mission. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so we're, we're live online at uh, tomatobliss.com. And... Follow us. We're on Instagram. You know, be a part of it. Reach out to me directly. You can reach me through the website. Marie, you've been a wonderful guest, and I'm so thankful that you had some time because I know farming is very hard work and you're very time consuming. So, actually, I, I always like to conclude this with by asking our guests, like, are there other women environmentalists or working on climate issues that have been inspirational to you? Yeah, thank you for that question. I and I was thinking about it and thinking I really the people who inspire me, I would say Michelle Obama inspires me and uh cuz she's so authentic and then Julia Child because she had the bravery to do something that she kind of knew nothing about. And so those are the two women that I thought of today that I find inspiring. Attempting something you know nothing about and yet doing it anyway sounds a bit like the story of Tomato Bliss. And here you are stepping out to inspire us to try something we may know nothing about. To Marie, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to talk with you again. And I have been really inspired by your website and your recipes. There are a couple on there that I am really excited about trying. And 
thank you again. It's, it's wonderful to have you part of this community. Thank you, Michael. You've been listening to Environmental Voices Rising, Women at the Mic. If you are curious about some of the words we used, like permaculture, biodynamic farming, or regenerative farming, hop on over to our website where you can find a vocabulary list and resources with more information. We appreciate your participation and invite you to subscribe at evoicesrising.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We have an upcoming episode on sustainable business with tips on where to shop sustainably. Thank you again. And remember, yes, you can make a difference.